0: If we're not careful we will we will look at others and comparison is really just a deadly game in your life if you base your thankfulness on what you have or don't have compared to your neighbor or someone else that you know or somebody that that they haven't been as Christ in Christ as long as you have and they shouldn't have as much as you do but they do and they have more If you start basing your thankfulness on what others have and the way that you compare that to yourself, you will never walk in thankfulness. You just won't. We've got to focus our eyes on Jesus. And as we keep our eyes upon the author and the perfecter of our faith, we really do begin to learn what thankfulness is really all about. Are there any humans in the room today? Are are there anybody, is there anybody every once in a while that financially you're like, how are we going to make it through this month with our company? Is there anybody that does that one? Is there anybody that goes, financially, how am I going to make it this month at home? There's four of us that have had financial stress before. The rest of us are, I tell you, our tithes should be a lot better if the rest of you don't have any trouble. I'll tell you that right now. You're either lying or you're being greedy. So, okay, I think we all face times where we face seasons, and Beth and I have faced those times and seasons, and, and honestly, they're more consistent than I even really like to talk about. And one of the things that I've learned to do when it comes to uh, taking care of bills in our life, you know what I do? I turn worship music on in our house. I turn worship music on in my office when I sat down to start inputting figures into the online banking or writing the checks that need to be written. And I literally let my heart go into, my heart posture go into a position of worship. And I can't tell you how many times over the years that I've come out after that moment and said, Well, Beth, he did it again. He provided for all of it again. He's done it again. He's absolutely amazing. Thankfulness increases what you have. Thankfulness does the miraculous in our lives. And I really thought it would be good at this time of the year to focus on thankfulness. Now, I know there are a few people, there are a few stores that actually release Christmas decor before Halloween, right? And I mean, we could skip Halloween as far as I'm concerned, but Christmas decor before Halloween, that's crazy. And then as soon as Halloween is over, even our intern, Jordan, I saw her posting the next day, putting Halloween candy underneath the Christmas tree. I'm like, wow, it's crazy how Christmassy it gets here in a hurry. I've seen people posting pictures of the trees already going up. It's my favorite time of the year. I'm like, it's 85 degrees outside. This is hard for me to kind of partner with. But one of the things that I don't want to lose in the spirit of Christmas, and for crying out loud, I love Jesus, so I get why we celebrate Christmas, okay? I get it. But I don't want to miss the one holiday that seems to get skipped because it's not commercialized as much. And that's thankfulness and thanksgiving. It's one of our favorites in our life. We really try to use this month to focus on not just the things that we have to be thankful for, but to focus our posture on becoming more thankful people. I just wanna be a more thankful person. And so I asked the Lord to help me with this. And um, you know, in the first service, Beth and I shared a couple of stories, and I won't share her story. Maybe she'll share it some other time, or maybe we'll do it at the end of the service. We'll just see how it goes. But I was invited by uh, our district superintendent with the Assemblies of God in northern Missouri to to do a minister seminar in Columbia yesterday. And I really wanted, it was interesting, I kind of wanted to talk about vision. And you know, we just finished our vision series not too long ago, and I'm like, oh, I'd love to share this stuff with our ministers. And I kept trying to make it work. How many of you have ever done something where you're trying to make it work, but in your heart, you know it's not the right thing to do? And I kept trying to make it work, and I was telling God all the reasons that vision was important. And we had a great conversation. He's like, son, I, I didn't realize vision was so important. Brad, you're so marvelous. I need to bring you into my advisory committee. You and Gabriel and Michael, you can help me straighten this thing out. So, um, so I was trying to make vision work. And finally, I, the Lord is just dealing with me about kingdom and kingdom culture. And we did a series on kingdom culture and we talk about kingdom all the time around here. And the Lord is, I mean, literally, this is what he says to me. I love how he speaks to us sometimes. This is what he says to me. He goes, you have been praying for the Northern Missouri District and the 100 churches in the Northern Missouri District, you have been praying for them to have an understanding of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God right here on earth. You've been praying for that. I have given you the opportunity to speak to the pastors in this district and you're trying to shove vision in. He goes, why don't you do what you've been asking to do? Like, wow, I repent. Lord Beth was trying to get me to do it. It wasn't me, Father. (laughs) Okay, I kind of did the Adam and Eve thing. Lord, it's this woman that you've given me. (laughs) Beth gave me the kiwi and I sinned, Father. I I don't know what happened from that point on. No, I'm like, Lord, I am so sorry. You're right. I am going to teach on kingdom. Now, as you guys know, kingdom, Greek word basilia, authority, right? Scepter of authority. I knew that we would get a lot farther yesterday with the ministers if we actually could demonstrate authority before we talked about authority. And I'm like, is there anybody in here that has anything that physically, if we prayed for you right now, you would know? And the first guy raised his hands. He's like, I've got arthritis in both of my knees. He said, they bother me continually. And we said, well, in Jesus' name, we curse arthritis and we release healing into your knees. I'm like, stand up. And he's like, are you serious? He goes, they feel so many. He starts walking around the room and showing everybody that the Lord touches. This is at the beginning of the meeting. This is it. it started at 10. This is at 10 o'clock with the coffee up there. This is the first thing that God does. And he opened the door so that we could talk about kingdom from a real fresh perspective yesterday. Absolutely beautiful. He did a couple of other things. I won't take the time to go into all of that. Can I, can I be really open with you? Okay, I, thankfully we're on the web stream and this stuff's archived forever. So I love it when I can be transparent and know that it's gonna be out there. I was really tired this week. It has been busy, I have been traveling, there is things going on, and even though the Lord opened the opportunity for me, I really, in my flesh, didn't really wanna go. Can I, how many of you have ever had moments, God's opened an opportunity, you don't really wanna go, but you know you're supposed to go? How many had that this morning, okay? You're like, honey, we cannot miss church, it is fall back Sunday. I mean, what kind of people skip out on the week that you actually get to sleep an extra hour? Did anybody do that? That was Beth and I this morning. We cannot skip out. We're the pastors for crying out loud, right? We've got to be there. There are times that we we do what we know that we're supposed to do. We just make the choice to do it. And the Lord opened the opportunity, and, and please don't be too judgmental of me, because he's opened opportunities before for all of us that we haven't necessarily wanted to do. But we're like, you know what? I'm going to partner with this, and I'm going to do the thing that I'm supposed to do. I mean, don't you do that in your life a lot of times? There are a lot of things. If we just did what we wanted to do, the world wouldn't get anything accomplished. We do what we need to. We do what we know we're supposed to. Thankfulness is not a feeling. Thankfulness is a decision. It's a posture of our heart. And we don't do thankfulness because we feel like being Thankful. We do thankfulness because we make a decision to be thankful. Now, I'm going to get to verses, so hang in here with me for a little bit. But how many of you that you've had little children in your life, and maybe they've even grown up already and you don't deal with this anymore, but little children, and before the birthday party or before Christmas, you talk to them about the right attitude after receiving a gift. How many of you have done that? If you haven't done that, please begin doing that. Okay. We need to to work on this stuff with our children. And we would talk to our daughters, I don't care if you've already got 15 of them. If somebody gives you something, they took their time, their money, their effort, and they purchased this, and they gave this to you, not because they had to, but because they wanted to, and they wanted to show value to you. So even if you have five of them at home, you look up and you say, thank you so much. Thank you so much, and mean it. Don't you you love when we give coaching and then we tell them to mean it, right? Now remember, I think Emma's in the back, and so I probably, yes, so I can probably get away with this. Emma was about four years old when we went to Columbia for Christmas, and my aunt, Rosemary, we call her Rosie, which would obviously be Emma's great aunt, hardly ever do we get to see my Uncle Terry and Aunt Rosemary, so Emma only really got to see her great aunt and uncle a couple of times a year for just a little bit, And my aunt walks in with a Christmas gift for Emma. And we had no idea. It was way past the exchanging of the names. She wasn't asked to do this at all, but she wanted to get something. Well, you know what she wanted to get? She had boys. She was walking through a store, and she saw this cute little girl outfit. And she's like, I'd never get to buy for girls. I want to get this for Emma. So she picks out this great little outfit. Like I said, Emma's three and a half or four years old. And, and we're, we all said, yeah, down. it's like the last present. I mean, all the presents were done, and all of a sudden you've got this extra one. And we work on this all the time, being thankful and, and showing thanks for the things that you receive. And But Emma's three and a half or four. Emma's looking for a toy. She's thinking sweet streets, Polly Pockets. How many of you have endured Polly Pockets season? Sweet streets. And, and remember the Bratz dolls? Those things are demon-possessed, but... I mean, we, we had all that stuff. I've, I've played more My Little Pony than any 47-year-old man should have to play, to be honest with you. As we would run around the house, My pretty pony, clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Such a pretty pony, clippity-clop, clippity-clop. I love to have my hair brushed underneath the old oak tree. Let's jump and run and have some fun. Would you like to play with me? Thanks. I know. I think, yes. <laughs> Hashtag LGBTQ. All right, never mind. <laughs> so we played pretty ponies and my little ponies. And so I realized how crazy that was after I did it. That's why I bring you into the moment. So Emma is looking for more of my little ponies. She's looking for sweet streets. She's looking for Barbie. She's looking for the object of her affection, and she opens it up. And how many you know the worst thing you can give a child is clothing? It's just the worst thing you can do. And she looks at it, and these huge tears fill her eyes. And she looks up, and she, and she blinks, and she's at the time had these big eyelashes that just could make the wind move, right? And she blinks, and these tears start dropping off her cheek, and she goes... <laughs> thank you so much. (laughs) I really like it. Wow. Wow. Lying through her teeth, right? I think sometimes when we express thanks and we don't feel it, we feel like we're lying about it. Rather than recognizing, I value, and listen, I wasn't smart enough to know how to talk to my girls about how to receive something. That's all Beth. Anything good in our family is Jesus and Beth. Okay? I'm like, wow, that's a really great idea. We never learned that at my house. We were just brats. Okay? So I love how she's learned that. And I want to partner with that more often in my life. Because if I'll start expressing my thankfulness more, you know what? I might actually start to believe it. And if I'll actually start believing in the things that he's already done for me, what kind of opportunities are there for my future? Look in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, and I won't spend a lot of time on it. Pastor Beth's been doing this series for about three years at Faith Chapel, so (laughs) I'll I'll just take a moment. It says, So then, just as you received... Christ Jesus is Lord. And I mean, let's pause there. How many of you have received Christ Jesus as Lord? You're not saying you're perfect. You're saying he's your king. Okay, so this is obviously written to Christian people because non-Christians can't say they've received him as Lord. So this was a letter to people that were following Christ. Just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. So notice there's an imagery of, I've opened myself up, and I've invited Jesus in, but I'm also continuing to partner with living within him. He is in me, and I am, am in him. There's quite the unity in this relationship. So continue to live your lives in him, and then they give it, he, Paul gives us some exhortation. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught And I love this last line, and I don't know why I miss it so often. And overflowing with thankfulness. Do you recognize, I know it's written in a really sweet way, but it's actually a command. Just like you're supposed to be rooted, and you build yourself up, and you strengthen yourself in the faith, hey, be thankful, all right? I don't mean to be mean. I'm just saying it's a command, and when I think commands, I think direct orders, But I love that he seasoned it in such a way that it says overflow. Sounds so much nicer, doesn't it? Overflow. Is my life an overflow of thankfulness? I I dare say no. It isn't. I'm usually thinking about the next challenge. I'm thinking about the current struggle. You know, one of the things that Beth and I prayed about in the first service, and Some of it we'll keep to ourselves because it was our time, but one of them I can share with you. You all know that we're working toward the Building for Faith Chapel. You all understand all of that. And when we, we prayed together, Beth, one of the first things that she prayed, she said, Lord, thank you for the space that we have right now to meet in. Thank you for providing this for us. Thank you that we don't have to set up and tear down every week in a high school auditorium, which, by the way, we did for 12 years. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to do that. In in our vision for the future and our working to what is yet to come, how can we not be thankful for what he's provided? We're not worshiping outside today, even though it's beautiful and there's only four and a half hours of sunlight left because of our crazy, but I'll, let's try to get you out and let you enjoy it, all right? I, I want to be more of a thankful person and really it just takes a choice to be. Now, here's some quick challenges from Colossians, and I'll just give them, it's going to kind of lay the foundation for the series. But number one, he says, continue to live your lives in Christ. Now, this might be obvious, but I guess it's possible to not continue to live your lives in Christ, okay? And I know that there's a, a culture in the world today that if you've come to an altar and you've asked Jesus into your heart, and you said the right words, everything are always okay. I want you to know, I made a commitment to my wife the day that we were married, and I make that commitment to her every single day. And if I chose to break that covenant and break that commitment, I'll guarantee you there would be a termination of a relationship. I probably would die. All right? I, 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 I didn't just choose her when, we, when she walked down the aisle on... May 20th, 1995. (laughs) Took me a while, but I got there. I didn't just choose her then. I choose her today. On November, I have no idea. 6th, 2016. That much I do know. I finally got the year right now that it's almost done. I, I chose her on May 20th of 1995. I choose her on November 6th of 2016 and I've chosen her every day in between. And by God's grace, I'm choosing her tomorrow. And I'll choose her. I'm going to continue in this. I love this relationship. How many of you love your relationship with Jesus? Now one of the things that we don't want to do in looking back and being thankful, we don't want to become nostalgic about only what he's done and forget there are still wonderful opportunities in front of us. Thankfulness isn't nostalgia. Thankfulness is just an overflow of acknowledgement and it propels us into deeper and more wonderful opportunities with the Lord. I know there was a day that we were younger. For crying out loud, we're getting older every second. I, I know that there was a day that, that uh, I looked a lot better than I do today. Well, at least a little better than I do today. Are there any old people in the room that you would? Okay, anybody else? You look in the mirror every once in a while and go. Oh. Anybody? You wonder who the old person is that got Shiloh. You do that too, all right? Wow, all right. Says the young lady that could model. Okay, yeah, crazy. All right, Gordy, I believe it. I mean, if I, if I looked in the mirror and saw Gordy, I would, I would I'd fall over right there. I'd fall over. It would not be slain in, slain in the spirit. Um, it, it's something about, li- I've, I'm balding, okay? I'll just admit it, I'm balding. You probably, you pro- see, you probably see it. I made a commitment to my family that when the peninsula, <laughs> when the peninsula becomes an island, it's all gone. <laughs> and fellow men that deal with this, I want you to know, if you have an island, it's, it's not attractive, okay? It's, we don't want to do castaway on your head. There's Tom Hanks asking for FedEx to draw. You know, we don't need that. You, you, at some point, you just have to just bite it and just turn into a thumb, okay? You shave it and you're just a thumb for Jesus. So I've, I've told my, my girls, I will not embarrass you by being the dad with the island on his head. Last night, Beth and I are walking up the stairs and Emma was up on the second floor and she looked down and I saw a look on her face. It wasn't pleasant. She met me downstairs later. She sat next to me. She said, "Dad, we need to talk." I said, "What's up, babe?" She goes, "You know that you know that peninsula thing you've been worried about becoming an island." I go, "Yeah." She goes, "We might have six months." <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking by I'm thinking by May or June, um, I'm going to be slick. I'm going to be slick up here, Pastor Slick. All right. <laughs> life happens things happen it's continually moving forward but you know what I I love growing old with this lady on the front row I love the experiences I love what we've learned Matt Mitchell was here for the first service he couldn't make it through two he worked all night last night what a way to quit right couldn't make it for two and we were talking and we're sitting on the front row and we're just talking about some of these challenges that we face when it just comes to aging and growing up and isn't it isn't it better doing it together isn't it better doing it together i love i love that we're doing and here's the other thing i'm doing this with jesus i'm continuing in him I don't know as much as I need to know. How many of you have been, I've been your pastor long enough to know, you know I don't know as much as I need to know, all right? But I know more now than I did three years ago and five years ago. I have an understanding of his presence that I didn't even have two years ago. There's things that he's showing me and revealing to me, and I dare say if I continue in Christ, I'm gonna have more of those opportunities next year. We're gonna keep growing. Guys, continue your lives in Christ continue in this thing it's not just how we start it's walking it out it's beautiful when I asked Matt before first service I'm like would you go back we had one of the little kids come over and saying hi to us I'm like would you go back and start over he goes "Ooh, I don't think so but if I could start over with all the knowledge I have I could dominate the world <laughs> right sounded like Donald Trump there for just a second sorry <laughs> just a joke please don't throw eggs If you do, we have an interim youth associate that's available to stand in the gap for his (laughs) uncle. Quick challenge is stay rooted in Christ. Stay rooted in Christ. You know, the trees that stand the longest have the the roots that go the deepest. And they fight through and they hold on. Okay? Stay rooted. You're living in a culture that is absolutely insane. Let me just share just one thought with you, just about culture. I know we talk about culture from time to time. But this isn't to offend anyone. I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm just going to go there. I believe that biblically the, Lord, the word of the Lord teaches that same-sex marriage is not of God. That's just what the Bible says over and over again. It's what the Bible says. Now, with that said, that doesn't mean I want to be a hateful, arrogant, brash person so has anybody else ever done this or am I the only one you might get in a discussion with someone and they're talking about same sex marriage and you say something like this listen I don't approve of it biblically I don't believe it's right but I'm not saying I don't love that person has anybody ever just by sign of hands have you ever kinda had that conversation with someone I'm not saying I approve of, I, listen, my approval doesn't mean I don't love them. My lack of approval of their lifestyle, I do love them. Or have you ever had said something like this, uh, Jesus hates sin, but he loves sinners. You ever said something like that? Do you realize the challenge in our culture is that doesn't work? Because in media and in education and in business, we've redefined what love is. Love is tolerance. That's what we're communicating over and over again through all of our our different mountain streams that we use. Media, business, finance, education. We're, we're, We're communicating that tolerance and love are synonyms. So for you to say, I really do love that person, but I don't approve of that choice, you've just said, I don't love them. Because that's what our culture says, and that's where we live. Now, not only have you said, I don't love them, what they're actually now teaching very aggressively is what? You hate them. To say, I don't agree with this lifestyle is now being interpreted as hate speech. Think about it. Think about Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2 says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Did anybody else have a season in your life where you were conformed to the pattern of the world? And I did. I don't like to talk about it. I was conformed to the... But it says, be transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. Now, think about that. The Greek word transformed is the word metamorpho. Metamorpho. It's where we get metamorphosis. Paul was writing the church and he said, don't be conformed to the ways of the culture, but have a transformation, a metamorphosis in your mind. Who was he telling that to? Christians. Because if Christians don't partner with the renewal of the mind, Christians won't be transformed in their thinking. And if Christians aren't transformed in their thinking, there's no hope for the world. I don't know how you know this, but uh, Beth has a twin brother and she also has a younger brother. And her twin brother was a pastor of a church. I won't tell you the denomination because it really doesn't matter. But he was in that denomination, he and his family making a great difference there and leading a really good church. But Ben wanted to be ordained within the denomination. So he went and he did his testing and he had his interviews so that he could be, this guy, he has his doctorate, he is highly ed- educated. I mean, the guy he's got a call on his life. There is no doubt that God's ordination is on him. He just needs the church to give him ordination as well. So he has all of his meetings, and after his meetings, they have the final exit interview, and they say, we have turned down your application for ordination. This isn't a church. What? We've turned it down. How come? You ready for this? Here's the answer because you believe in the infallibility of Scripture. The denomination turned down his ordination because he believes that God's word is God's word. We're at the place in our culture where if you believe in the infallibility of Scripture, you can't be ordained in certain denominations. How crazy is that? Could we possibly be at that place... In Revelation 3, when Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock, who's going to open the door? And my whole life, I heard that message as a salvation message. He's at the door of your heart and he's knocking, will you open up and let him in? But when you read the context of the message, you realize he was at the door of the church and Jesus was outside his own house saying, can I come into my house? Do churches even recognize that he's not even there? Do they hear him knocking, saying, will you let me back in? I want you to know, if you're in a denomination that has just said to you, we won't ordain you because you believe in the infallibility of Scripture, the, the glory and the blessing and the favor of God is not there. That's right. There's a Hebrew word, it's called ichavod. Ichavod is the word for the glory departed. And God will rest his glory, and God will move his glory. And if we, as his people, will not receive all he has for us, if we won't walk with the transformation, the metamorpho of our thinking, Joyce Meyer says, change your stinking thinking, so that we're thinking about things the way he would have us to, we can miss the glory of the Lord. Now, I've got a great story about the glory. It's an old story. It's a, it's a joke, but it's true. There was a lady in Des Moines, Iowa, so if you ever wonder if crazy things happen, it, it's in Iowa. There was a lady, she was at First Assembly of God in Des Moines, Iowa years ago, and she stood up and she said, I've got a word from the Lord, thus saith the Lord, if you'll not repent of thy wicked ways, I'm gonna write Michelob over the house of the Lord. <laughs> she thought about it for a second, and she said, thus saith the Lord, I have made a mistake. The Lord thy God meant to say, I will write Ichavod over the house of the Lord. So, um, so God has made one mistake, and it was in Iowa. Of all places, it was in Iowa. I, I don't want to be in a church where the glory departs. You realize we're not a subculture. And culture keeps trying to make the Christian right a subculture. We're not a subculture. We're a counterculture. And the reason that we're a counter is because we say, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Look this way, we have the kingdom. Look this way, we have the presence of heaven. Look this way, we have the tangible glory. Repent, the way you're going is destruction. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. The path that you're on is gonna be to your own demise. Look this way, we have the hope of heaven, the healing of heaven, the hands of heaven, the presence of heaven, look this way. But if we're not transformed in our thinking, we won't even offer that. We won't even offer it. Continue to live in Christ, stay rooted in Christ. Number three, be built up in Christ. Number four, be strengthened in the faith as you were taught. One of the things that I'm very grateful for at Faith Chapel, and I wanna thank you for it, we as a church have hosted his presence for 10 years. We've been a church for 19. But we've hosted his presence for 10 years. That we 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 want to be a people that are aware of your tangible presence, God, and the service isn't about us, the service is about you. And that atmosphere has allowed things to happen in the lives of my own children. Our youngest daughter, Sophia,'s faith level is crazy. It's, it's just it's off the chart. And I know it's because of what's been hosted here and what's been spoken here and what in the formative years of her life, Sophia saw so many physical healings that if somebody's not healed instantly now, she's like, what's wrong? What's the problem? I love that she's more surprised when she doesn't see the instant miracle than being surprised when she sees the instant miracle. Because we've all seen that before, too, right? Somebody gets their miracle, and they're like, oh, I can't believe it. And you're like, wow, wasn't their faith, right? So I appreciate that, that there's been faith that has been taught, faith that has been modeled, faith that has been participated with. When you think about faith, do you think about Hebrews eleven six, 6? That without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? Hebrews eleven six 6 says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. How many of you, you might struggle with different things. You might struggle with wondering about healing or wondering about direction. But how many people in this room believe in God? I mean, can we start there? We believe in God. And if we believe in God, there is a level of pleasure that has already been given to the Father simply because you believe in Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So in faith, you already are. So you're like, man, I'm trying to walk it out. I struggle at times. There are times my mind gets in the way. That's okay. You're walking it out. You're a person of faith, and that brings great pleasure to the Lord. Number two, our faith guarantees our victory. 1 John 5, 4 says this, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. What does it say? Even our faith. What's the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. Even our faith. Why do we have more faith than the doctor's report? than the promises of God? Why do we have more faith in the salary that we make than Jehovah Jireh? Why do we have more faith in a corrupt political system than a king that sits high on the throne and is exalted and he can begin to do whatever he wants at any moment in any family because his presence can't be chained out of any space? I mean, guys, we've got to trust him. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. The reason I know my family is going to continue to overcome is because we're going to let our faith arise. And when the the negative report comes our way, our faith is going to arise. And we're facing a challenge. Our faith is going to arise. He's been faithful in the past. He's faithful today. And he's going to be faithful tomorrow. I trust him. I trust him. Number three, our faith activates a shield of God's power. How many would love to walk through life with a shield of God's power around your life? Well, you've got it. it. says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, who through faith are shielded by God's power. For how long? Until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I want you to know the day of his appearing hasn't happened yet. It's coming, but it hasn't happened yet. So you've got a promise. You will continue to be shielded by God's power until the coming of that day. You can trust in him. He's around you. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's in front of you, above you, below you, behind you, through you, with you, near you. He's the greatest preposition there ever was. He's got you covered. You've got a shield of faith. Listen, you might not feel like you have a shield of faith, but you don't go by the way you feel. You might not see the shield of faith. Well, if you saw the shield of faith, it wouldn't be faith. You've got to trust that he's encompassed you. He's surrounding you, that he'll even release his angels so that you don't dash your foot against a stone. And then the next thing that he says in these quick challenges from Colossians is overflow with thankfulness. And that's where we're going to spend this month. I finally got there. But we'll spend this month there. Overflow with thankfulness. I never really realized that it was a command. Now, it's, it's written in a nice, softer, more beautiful way than that. But overflowing with thankfulness is a command of the Lord to our lives. Just like we're encouraged to continue to live in Christ, be rooted in Him, be built up in Him, be strengthened in your faith, and overflow with thankfulness. Overflow with thankfulness. Let me share a little thought with you. Thankfulness is not a feeling, it's a choice, it's a decision it's deliberate. Here's the thought. Thankfulness is the right attitude coupled with the right response for all that has been accomplished. He is who he says he is. I can trust him and rely on him. He's never failed and he's not going to start today. Too many times I think of thankfulness as a feeling. I don't want to do it anymore. So here's my questions for you today. Do you have much to be thankful for? When's the last time that you just sat down and had a moment of meditation and said, you know what? I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm just going to start thanking God for the things that He's already done. I, I know there are, listen, there's a lot of type A personalities in this church. Okay? I know a lot of you, a lot of driven people in this church, and I love that. But type A personalities, we can be so hard on ourselves. We can put hard on our kids. We can we never do enough. There's always more we can hammer on ourselves. But do you ever just pause and go, Lord, thank you for thank you for where you've brought me from? If we'll be more aware of where he brought us from, we might even be a bit more compassionate to those that haven't been brought from there yet. Okay? When Beth and I talk about culture in our world, there are times that we say, How could anybody think that's okay? You ever get there? If I know I'm bringing up all the issues, but it is what it is. To think that you can believe that you can still kill a baby on the day that the baby's supposed to be born. I, where do you even process that? And you know as well as I do, then you're just a step away from after the baby's being born saying, we changed our mind. Right, right. I wanted blue eyes. Okay. Beth has said this to me, and I'm not trying to be disgusting, but this whole thing is disgusting, and they, they're enduring it. She's like, if you're going to kill a child, why don't you at least give them pain medicine? Why, why, we kill prisoners when we put them under capital punishment. We kill them in a more humane way than babies are killed. It's just, it, you, start, you start, I can't even fathom it. I, it. I just, I have a hard time with this. And then I start realizing, you know what? I was so messed up in sin. I was so off course. I was about myself, how things affected me, how they touched me. It was all about me. If you live focused on yourself long enough, you won't care about anything else. It's going to happen. No wonder, as Christians, we constantly are called to get our eyes on him and to get our eyes on others. The reason that we stand up in this moment is because Jesus in us has to arise. He has to. It's just the way that we're made. It's what he's doing in us. That's what metamorpho does. That's what metamorphosis does. It changes our thinking to a thinking of heaven rather than a thinking of earth. You have much to be thankful for. Do you strive to align your mind and heart with thankfulness? Do you teach your children to express their thanks? Here's a few insights regarding thankfulness, number one. And we're only going to do one today and I'll be done. Because I've got a bunch, but we'll do them this month. Number one, thankfulness opens the gate into God's presence. Now, one of the things that I've learned about the presence of God are there are so many different ways to experience the presence of God. Um, I've literally had people. Uh, Doug Carter was a mentor in my life when I was in my early 20s. And Doug Carter was a man of incredible presence of the Lord. Uh, he was one of those guys that he would say, "Hey, you want to come pray with me sometime at the church?" And I'd go, "Sure." And we'd walk into the sanctuary and he'd start praying, and after 30 minutes, I'd take a look, and then after an hour and a half, and then after he'd spend three and a half four five just walking and spending time in the presence of God and I'd pray everything that I ever thought of in 30 minutes and then I would stare at him going what on earth is he continuing to talk about for that long I mean it's crazy but you know it wasn't about what he was talking about it was about learning to live in the presence of God and I remember one time I was going through a difficult time, and he said, Brad, I'm just going to pray for you. And he grabbed my hands, and he said, God, I just impart your presence into Brad. And when he said that, I was like, whoa, you can feel the impartation of the presence of the Lord. So you, by faith, can impart his presence into somebody else's life. I also know that he inhabits the praises of his people. So when you're in moments of worship, you can sense the presence of God. Also, God's Word says that we're two or three gathering His name. There He is. We can have a small gathering of people and begin to sense the presence of God. But you know what else does it? Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. One of the avenues that allow you to access the presence of God is deliberate thanksgiving. So here's the challenge. Will you be deliberate this month? And maybe you can't make a commitment for the whole month. Will you be deliberate today? Will you be deliberate tomorrow? To recall what God has done and to celebrate with great thanks for it. Now, if you're having a pity party and you don't feel like he's done enough for you, sometimes we have a pity party, okay? And if you're having a hard time you're so overwhelmed by what you're facing that you can't recall all of his goodness to you well then go ahead and recall all of his goodness to all of us on earth because you're included in that thank you father that you sent your son for me thank you that you gave your best when you gave jesus jesus thank you that even though you were a man you never sinned so that you could be a blameless sacrifice on my behalf Thank you, Jesus, that you honored every promise that you made, that I thank you that you never failed. You said that that you were gonna come back from the grave, and you did. Thank you that you ascended to the right hand of the Father. Thank you that, that your word promises that your eyes range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are committed to you. Thank you that you know how many hairs I have on my head, and for me, it's a lot easier than a lot of you. 17, okay? David started this psalm at the beginning of Psalm 100. We won't go through it all, but he's like, shout for joy to the Lord. Now, it's interesting. When was the last time that uh, Pastor Josh just said, hey, let's shout? We don't tend to do it, do we? It's more of a cultural thing again. It's easier to give hand claps of praise. Would you agree? Hand clap's easy. Song was pretty good. It's kind of quiet. We need to get rid of that. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. I'm all into the hand clap. I'll even lift it up sometimes, right? Anybody else? Have you ever lifted up the hand clap? I mean, this is a this is a conservative Christian hand clap. This is an all-in. You're in it to win it. it. Takes teamwork to make the dream work. All right, you're that person right here. So, hand claps of praise are easier. What if what if Pastor Josh ended the first song and said, "Let's give God a shout for joy"? What would you do? Yeah, I know you would. You're from Louisiana. You people are crazy down there. You eat gators and everything else, all right? Okay, you wrestle them, everything else. Can't spell half of it, but uh, you eat it, okay? So these guys would. Anybody else, would you do it? You would, Bob Miller, come on now. You and I played a lot of golf. You don't even yell on the golf course. And sometimes those shots are bad enough. You really should yell when they, all right? What is it that we tend to hold that back? And notice it didn't say shout because he's given you joy. It said shout for joy. Sometimes you have to shout first. We want to get the joy so that we can start shouting. And sometimes we've got to start shouting so that we can receive the, receive the joy of the Lord. Is there anybody that wants to shout for joy to the Lord? We didn't do it in the early service because they were staring at me. But you guys look like you might actually go there. Can somebody shout for joy to the Lord this morning? Come on. How many knew Jack would win? How many knew it? Come on, let's do that again. I'm going to turn my mic off. Let's shout for joy. Let's give a big hallelujah. One, two, three. That actually feels pretty good. That really feels pretty good, doesn't it? Have you ever yelled at somebody and it felt good? That's wrong wrong. But this is okay. This is a way to let it out. Get a little joyful. There are times I'm screaming and singing so loud in the car that you know people must wonder what's up when I'm driving down Highway K. I'm like, I love you, Lord. I look over, I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Crazy charismatic. Crazy charismatic. Shout for joy. He's given you the victory. You maybe you haven't crossed your Red Sea yet, but the God that, that parted it for the Israelites is going to part it for you. He's good. Let's enter into his presence. Let's be joyful. Psalm 95, two says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Wow, how do you shout psalms, right? Psalm three. Oh Lord, you are my God. I, I don't know if that's what it's saying there, but let's shout for him. Um, Here's what I'm asking you to do this month. I'm asking you to start uh, recounting and refreshing and reviewing all the reasons you have to be thankful so that it refocuses you for deeper opportunities in your future, number one. And number two, I'm asking you to jump out of your comfort zone a little bit. Okay? Go for it. Some people say, well, I'm just not a hand raiser or I'm just not a shouter. I, listen, there's a lot of things that I'm not either. But I don't do it because it lines up with my temperament. I do it because it's what the word of the Lord commands me to do. You ought to look up the word shout in, in, in the Bible and see how many times that God's people are told to shout. Don't let the enemy steal our voice. Don't let him steal our voice. Angels respond when you shout the promises of God. Okay? Think about it. Thankfulness opens the door into God's presence, and one moment in the presence of God can change anything.